You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. My name's James. This is Milo. And... It's another week of summer and excitement on the Kyrie Irving and LeBron James front. It's slowing down a little bit. My personal feelings is that the Cavs have gotten some trade offers. They're not very happy with them. And so I think that they've kind of gone to an auction. And I don't think the auction's gone as well as the Cavs had hoped for. So at this point, we're just kind of speculating it's obvious that a trade is going to happen at some point. I think I think today we heard, or maybe it was yesterday, one um, that Kyrie Irving is not returning phone calls to the Cavaliers. Uh, no, just just letting that hotline blink. <laughs> yeah, he is surprise surprise. He's not a fan of Dan Gilbert, and and uh, things aren't going well in terms of communication with them and Dan Gilbert. Surprise surprise, but. What that does mean is every single mistake that Dan Gilbert makes and every little piece of news we get that Kyrie Irving's not answering phone calls, uh, LeBron and Kyrie, like LeBron's going to apparently kick Kyrie's ass or something like this. All this does is provide just a little bit more leverage for other teams to make a trade. And, and what it comes down to is would you rather have Kevin Love on the Utah Jazz? Or would you rather have Kyrie Irving? I know who I would like, but I want to hear from you, Milo, who you would like on the Utah Jazz. So uh, this is going to come as a surprise because last week I said between if you could choose who is the better player, it's it's Kyrie. Kyrie's the guy who basically brought them a chip. Um, I would say Kevin Love, though. And it has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving's personality or his like temperament or him wanting to be the guy. The reason I think Kevin Love would be a great addition for the Utah Jazz is just how it would fit. And the reason being is right now the Utah Jazz, they have um, an, all, uh, an all-star, all-NBA caliber player in Rudy Gobert. And they also have a near-all-star type player in, in Ricky Rubio. But if you trade for Kyrie Irving, you get a little bit better of a... a of a player um, in Kyrie Irving, but you're still, but you're not getting a plus in any other position. At least with Kevin Love, when Kevin Love comes in, you're getting an all-star production out of the power forward position. So now you have near all-star production out of the point guard position, all-star production out of the power forward and center positions. So your team as a whole has got better. It's the whole Dennis Lindsay uh, principle of not, uh, not having um, duplicity in positions, meaning if I have a really good player at, let's say, at point guard, and then I have another really good player at point guard, and both of their their abilities are the same, I didn't get any. Be- I can't get any better because they can't be on the court at the same time. Likewise, if you trade Ricky Rubio and somebody else for another point guard, be- there is a little, there is a difference. You know, you are getting a much better, you're a much more complete player offensively in in Kyrie Irving, but at the same time, no other position increased in 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 uh, in, in in ability. So if you're looking for if you're looking for getting the best player out of that, yeah, Kyrie Irving, I'd say that's your guy. But for me, I'd say Kevin Love. If you're team building, that's who you'd want to. 
it, from a Dennis Lindsay point of view, I think that's the way way you'd want to go. Then again, the Utah Jazz went after Kyrie Irving anyway, and and Kevin Love has been pseudo on the block. I swear, maybe it's just because the media's put it that way, like he's been on the block for a year. But but that was before the Jazz had Ricky Rubio in hand, and now with this, like. It, when you're looking at your team now and building and trying to get a little bit better, if you're able to get Kevin Love, I think Kevin Love would be my choice. Who would you, who, who would who would you go after? Is it is it still Kyrie? Um, so it's pretty tough because so I listen. I follow a lot of smart people on Twitter, and I talk to a lot of you guys uh, on SLC Dunk and all these things. And I understand that Kyrie Irving. Uh, has like the defensive real plus minus that's not impressive and i i guess for me i want to explain why i think Kyrie irving is amazing but i agree with you that kevin love is probably the choice but i do want to say that it's i don't think it's that i don't want to i I agree but let me tell you why you're wrong (laughs) i i watch i mean i understand the analytics i'm not the biggest analytics person i do a better job of talking about Lord of the Rings and why it's a metaphor for, you know, basketball. But I understand that the Kyrie Irving has a lot of, of faults that we're all very clear on the defensive, uh, lack of defensive ability and all these things. I've also seen Kyrie Irving go into playoff games and outmatch the, the golden state warriors. So it's hard for me to want to turn down a player that, if you get in the playoffs, you know this guy is going to keep your offense rolling in the playoffs. That just unstoppable. That for me is the reason why I would possibly go with Kyrie Irving. But the reason that I uh, end up not wanting Kyrie Irving over Kevin Love is that I feel like it would be a little bit too much redundancy at the position. I am a big believer in Donovan Mitchell. I think in a year or two, Donovan Mitchell is the starting point guard of this team. And I think that Kevin Love is a player. So I found so you this think, out. So you think that Donovan Mitchell is going to play point guard then? Like that's I, where he's going to end up? I think what happens is, well, I don't know what's going to happen this, this summer. We could see a blockbuster trade at any moment. My heart literally flutters when I get those Woj notifications on my phone. Uh, but I think Kevin Love is a perfect fit for the Jazz, like you say. I think you pair him with Rudy Gobert and all of a sudden your offense just becomes incredibly dynamic. And I, I do, I think the big reason is that you can, can pass on Kyrie's dynamic offense is that eventually I think Donovan Mitchell becomes that. I think Donovan Mitchell really is the point guard of the future of this team. And I, I know I'm a Homer and I, I know that Gordon Hayward hurt my feelings recently. Uh, did you know that Kevin Love lives in Utah in the off season? In Park City, and like serious, he does. Right. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I if if you watch, there's the Park City video where where Kevin Love is in Park City and he trains oh, in Park City. Oh, then, then then this is a done deal. Why are we even talking about this? <laughs> Kevin Love this is, is going to come to Utah. <laughs> this, he loves guy, Utah. He lives in Park City. <laughs> this guy, if you trade for Kevin Love, I think that you probably are able to resign him. Whereas with Kyrie, I don't know if Kyrie resigns in Utah. You get two years of Kyrie. Two years of Kyrie is awesome. And and maybe you make some noise in the playoffs. But I don't know what the cost. Uh, but I just think that Donovan Mitchell in the long term is with us for a long time playing with Rudy Gobert. And Kevin Love, you might have four or five years of Kevin Love before he kind of tapers off and is gone. And doesn't everyone just want to see a Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love reunion? Like and this yeah. time with a real rim protector instead of Kevin Love having to play a pseudo rim protector, which he never will be, um, because I, I'm looking at his like uh, so looking at his defensive bo- uh, plus or minus. So Kyrie at, is is like at a negative two point three, which is pretty awful. Kevin Love it's is very bad. At, at a at a negative point nine, but his offensive uh, box plus or minus is a one point seven. So he has. Um, so he's he's technically gives you he's a positive net player. Te- technically positive net player. Also, if you look at who are <laughs> positive net players technically on the Cleveland Cavaliers, you realize that how much heavy lifting LeBron James did last year. 
I mean, at the age I, of thirty-two, he's like, pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the at the same time, what Kevin Love is going to going to bring to you, he doesn't turn. You know, he's not going to turn the ball over. His usage his usage rate is at about twenty six percent. So that's I mean you slot him in that's going to be great. I think one thing the Utah Jazz are trying to avoid is last year their offense was heavily predicated on Hayward and and he had a usage rate of above thirty percent. I think it's a very real possibility you don't see that from anybody on the Utah Jazz next year. I think you might see people a few games eclipse that thirty percent mark, but I think if uh, if the Utah Jazz are doing things right, you're going to see more of a Atlanta Hawks type of usage rate when they had that one stellar, a couple stellar years where they were really playing above average, not just above average, but really great basketball as a team, and uh, and and were able to you know spread the wealth, and so that would fit into what they're trying to do. Plus, you have a guy who. I mean, he has a true shooting percentage of you know sixty one sixty one percent, and that's because he just shoots the ball well from from three, and he can knock down those shots. And with with the with Rudy most likely going to be getting the uh, the bump in in his usage and getting the ball a lot more, that's going to open that that shot up for for Ke- uh, for Kevin Love. And Kevin Love last year he shot he shot the three ball at a at a thirty seven percent clip. Uh, that's excellent. Ama- yeah, that's 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 fantastic. And he was taking, he was taking uh, close to how many? Yeah, um, six and a half three pointers a game. At so, the four spot, that's super valuable. Yes, that's that's an extremely valuable. And you and add the weapons at the Utah Jazz. Like when Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love played together the last time, they didn't have the weapons that they'd have. They didn't have. Albeit Joe Johnson is getting to the twilight of his career, but he still knocks down shots. You have Joe Ingles, who was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year. You had in a Donovan Mitchell, who is streaky, but has the potential in his jump shot to be able to be a knockdown shooter. And it, it and and you have a potential for you know, a, and then also add Cephalosha and Drebko in there, and you have good pieces who can knock down those shots. And and it almost feels like. Kevin Love would be that last piece to kind of build a pseudo Orlando Magic style of play where you have a Jameer Nelson type who's not ball dominant but is just facilitating and making sure the guy the, the right shooter gets gets the rock and then if somebody doesn't want to guard if, if people want to really clamp down on shooters well hey we'll just ha- dump it down to Rudy and we'll we'll play we'll play pick and roll with everybody and their dog if they want to just go one-on-one on that way. So I, it feels like the Utah Jazz are going towards that type of offense rather than, than the, the – it's still going to be wing heavy with, with Ingles, but not as much without Gordon Hayward. What I, also, what I also really like about Kevin Love too is I – and the Cavs pretty much do things right. If you have LeBron James, you want LeBron James handling the ball every possession you can because that becomes a great – positive possession but i think that with the jazz if kevin love joins the jazz i think you start to see some of his strengths used a little more whereas on the Cavs, it's not a bad thing he but he kind of just gets relegated to a ryan anderson role in a lot of ways uh on the jazz the jazz can do things like have him post up i mean we see the jazz run a lot of post ups for favors here and there we'll see like two three post ups with favors you give those post-ups to Kevin Love, they're a lot more positive because they're not just going to turn into a, like a jump, a favors fadeaway jumper. Uh, Kevin Love can actually run the offense. He'll, he's a great passer, arguably the best big man passer in the league, especially in outlet passes and things like that. But you can run the offense through Kevin Love and be very confident about it. And because of Rudy's, Rudy's gravity and his ability to draw his defender away from the rim, uh, Kevin Love's going to be able to go to work a little bit because he's going to have one-on-one matchups. He's going to score on the block. He can get it alley-oops to Rudy. I, I would love – I mean, it would be fascinating to see if he can even run a 4-5 pick-and-roll with Rudy. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's a, it opens up a lot more of what he can do um, just because LeBron James, people kind of sag off on him on the three-pointer. Now, he shot he shot from from three-point line much better last year. He's at about a 36% clip. But still, 
you know, the, the, the MO on, on LeBron is that you give him some space and you just don't let, try your best not to have him blow by you. Now that's easier said than done. That's why he's the best. But with, with, uh, with the way the Utah Jazz play, they're going to be playing on the wing. He's going to have shooters and that's going to be different. You know, th- these are going to be guys who are shooting, you know, above 40% from three. Um, out there. And then you have Rudy who he can, who he can go off of. The other thing on the defensive side of the ball. So here's the thing. His defensive, uh, box, uh, box plus or minus is in the negative. But his defensive rating, he actually has a, um, a net rating of seven. So offensive rating of 114, defensive rating of 107. That actually was, uh, fourth best on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers roster, you know that you, you see that they're devoid of rim protectors. Like the people who are doing rim protection are Chris Anderson, uh, who only played in 12 games. You, you had Kevin Love. Um, and then you had, um, Tristan Shining, Thompson, Tristan Thompson and Shannon Fry. Like the, the, yeah. And Tristan Thompson is just an offensive rebounder. Yeah, That's all Tristan Thompson is. He is. And then Shannon Fry is, is basically. Kevin Kevin Love light, and so mm-hmm. you're not getting rim protection out of that. Now, with he'll have somebody who's covering him in Rudy Gobert, something that he hasn't had. So you'll see a you'll see a, a, a he will get get that defensive bump, so to speak, so that he's able to. You'd see his defensive numbers go up. Now it wouldn't be on his own ability, but it would be because of Rudy and Rudy does amazing things. That's going to be one of the things that I think I'm going to be excited about to watch next year with with uh, Gordon Hayward with Boston is to see, hey, you know, how how does this de- because people are like, well, he's an underrated defender. It's really de- easy to say that you look like an underrated defender when when you have Rudy behind you. Yeah, like, when your defense he, is he really wipes away a lot of mistakes. Things don't look as bad. Because it doesn't end up with two points a lot of the time. It ends up with, with it, their offense getting stalled and them having to reset the possession. So you get, you get, you get, you know, some good grace with, um, with, with Rudy Gobert. So, so that'll be interesting to see on that side. It, and then for the people who come, who have come over to Utah, it's going to be interesting to see what, um, like R- Ricky Rubio had, Carl Anthony Towns, who on the defensive side, he's still, he's getting, he's getting much better, but he's not a rim protector like Rudy, Rudy Gobert is. He's a much better offensive player, but he's not, not somebody who's really going to, you know, change, well, he's still changing things, but not on the gravity that Rudy Gobert is. And so that's going to be the really interesting thing to see what Ricky Rubio is able to do and what Ricky Rubio is able to just gamble on defense. Like, that's that's a lot of these players that Utah's brought in. They're going to be able to gamble on on defense. So that should be an interesting uh, an interesting development as we as as we go forward. Yeah, I I honestly I think I think the stuff with Kevin Love's defense is a little overstated. He's not a good defender, but he's also not as bad as kind of people make him out to be. And the Jazz defense is really designed to just take away some of your weaknesses. It, because literally you just funnel things to Rudy. It, so if Kevin Love can just run people off the three-point line, he can funnel his guys into Rudy Gobert. There's a lot of things they can do that will really negate a lot of his negatives. And so if he can just become an average defender on the Jazz, his offense just takes them to another level. Right, right. It, it, it's a, it, it, goes, it, it takes off to a, a, much, uh, a, a much higher level. I agree. Um. Before we move on, I did want to, I, what do you think? Do you think Rudy, that's my big question. If we trade for one of these two players, who are we trading and what do you think that trade consists of? Cause that's something we've kind of been talking to a lot of people about. My personal hot take is that I think Donovan Mitchell is going to make someone expendable this season. I think Donovan Mitchell has a chance to come in and shoot 36% from three. And all of a sudden you'd think, I don't know if we need Rodney Hood. I, I think I it's going to be like kind of Wesley Matthews when Wesley Matthews came in and, and we were like, wow. Um, the, 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 he came in and, and started at, at shooting guard immediately. Now there was kind of that, 
opening, but he, he, he got in over Corver. And, yeah. and so, um, so in, in, in this way, geez, we might be overvaluing somebody before we see, before we see, see them and, and who that person could be, um, you know, right now they have, we, we look at Cephalosha, like, uh, where I'm wondering, is he going to get minutes this year? Like, he could. He he definitely is deserving of minutes because he's a really good plus plus defender. Um, so what are we, what is that going to look like with that? Um, I don't know who who would who he would make make expendable because it, it's kind of hard. It's like it's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> I okay. So I I'm 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 all in on this. So the thing we wanted to talk about is a little bit about the rebuild with Darren Williams and it's painful for me. It just hurts my heart. What were some of the things that happened with the Darren Williams rebuild that we could have done better? And I guess on top of that, how can we avoid some of those mistakes now? It's kind of, it's kind of interesting because we're kind of in, in a parallel, uh, parallel time. Like we just lost our star. Um, it is, and, and, and to unfortunate circumstances, we're left with the auxiliary pieces of that, of, of who was left, um, with, with Rudy Gobert. And, um, and obviously we still have, we still have a point guard, albeit it's not George Hill, but, you know, there's pieces, pieces left around Gordon Hayward. And the team was built around Gordon Hayward's strengths. He was the cog. He was, he was the main cog that, that made it all work. And, and now there's, um, you know, it's, we're, we're without that. So it's looking back at the Darren Williams. So after the, after Darren Williams was traded and, and you have to think about the circumstances before that, because we, we had lost, we had lost Jerry Sloan because of whatever Darren Williams, whoever side that you want to believe, whether it was, Der- just Jerry Sloan just felt like that was the the right time after Chicago Bulls loss. I don't believe that. Um, <laughs> I guess he's Jerry Sloan, twenty six years of coach or whatever, and just decided to quit d- d- that d- day. Decided it, yeah, and it just it happened to coincide with a one of the largest shouting matches in a locker room that had happened between him and a player. Yeah, sure, you can believe that. Um, but afterwards, so Darren Williams was traded about a week before the trade deadline. And everyone was like, Utah Jazz are in full rebuild mode. This is, they're just, they're just starting over. They've hit, hit, you know, they've tapped out. And no one would blame the Utah Jazz if they did because they had acquired Al Jefferson with the, with the trade exception that they got from the, from Carlos Boozer, from the sign and trade with that. And when they had traded, when they had traded away Carlos Boozer, they were still over the luxury tax. They were paying luxury tax. And so, they traded Darren Williams away for Derek Favors and the ghost of, of Devin Harris. And it was just like, okay, they got this young piece. They got another young piece. The next obvious pieces to go are Paul Millsap and Big Al. And for some reason, they never went. And that's okay. And, and that, in the vacuum, because the way the season was going that year, it was like, okay, well, they, because people were saying, well, we're, we still possibly could make the playoffs. So I could, I could kind of understand that. They're like, if we make the playoffs with this, that's okay. But they didn't. And th- better deals could have been had too. Maybe they were thinking, okay, we're going to wait just to closer to the draft. We can trade these guys. We can move up. We can get the player that we want. And, um, and that never happened. And that was the Alex, and that was when they selected Alec Burks. They they had the number twelve. So they got they got Alec Burks that year. Never traded away Paul Millsap or Al Jefferson, which still is okay at this point because they still have two years remaining each. So, but the wrinkle of the whole thing was that was the lockout year. That's true, and it stalled everything. Deals couldn't be made. Nothing could be made. There was no communication between owners and players and whatnot because of the lockout. And so no deals could be made. And then once the lockout ended, it was like this mad rush to the season. Mm -hmm. And that coincided with a really loaded draft. That was the Harrison Barnes, Damian Lillard, uh, Andrew Wiggins. um, 
Um, that maybe uh, no, I think Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were the year following. Yeah, that was that, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this, but this was the one, and and uh, this was also the same year that the Golden State Warriors decided to go on their tankathon and try to try to try to keep their pick, which they succeeded. And the funny thing about this whole scenario is the Utah Jazz could have ended up with two lottery picks that year, two. And maybe them losing would have been the difference between Golden State conveying their pick and and them having their 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 own lottery pick and Golden State's. But instead, uh, Golden State was able to go that way. And then Utah Jazz kept Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap. And a lot of that season was looked at as a waste, a complete and utter waste, until after after the All-Star game, the shortened All-Star game, by the way, we went on our run. When a ton of teams were like, it's no point to, to, to rush into this, we went on our run and got swept by unceremoniously by by the San Antonio Spurs and we just and we still decided after that year you know what we're going to go one more round with of this of a failed playoff exit that that when during this whole time we marginalized our youth we were playing Josh Howard and, and over Gordon Hayward we were and obviously Favors wasn't getting any time and then we and then we went full stink and we got and 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 the thing is we never got a draft pick from that year there was no first round draft pick, which we absolutely needed. We absolutely needed, and we could really absolutely needed that when the following year in a and that was a that was a deep draft. If, if everyone remembers, that was a pretty deep draft. And then the next year was the year that, of course, we would we would get a top three pick in one of the worst drafts of all time, and we got Ennis Cantor. Yeah. <sighs> And that's and that's that and that's ball game, and when you look back at at the way the Utah Jazz built their team and the way they they managed it, it really felt. And Kevin O'Connor was a, was um, Kevin O'Connor. One of his uh, we can talk about it, fatal errors, and and this is when Dennis Lindsay was coming in. Or we rumored to have been coming in. One of Kevin O'Connor's biggest plays is he would always make the restricted free agent. Go find their money. He did it to Millsap. He did it to Matthews, and then he did it to Hayward. And then we we look for you know three years after that, and we're without a Gordon Hayward. In fact, if they would have signed him for four years, what he was asking, he would still be on contract next year, and he never would have hit the market. So he would probably would have had some more more invested in him. Now does this now am I saying this absolves Hayward but no but but actions in the past have consequences when you're team building and something that doesn't seem like a big deal now might be the bitter pill that a that a player still swallows 4 years or 3 years later and then when you look at and then Dennis Lindsay comes in and then he he lets Paul Millsap and Big Al go which he did at that point because he needed to clear the books. And if he traded them, he was going to be taking on probably a lot of salary because there wasn't a lot of teams in their position where they could take salary. And during that time, we should have been accruing assets. If we would have unloaded Paul Millsap and, and, uh, and Al Jefferson, we probably could have done it and got some good expiring con- contracts and started accruing assets for salary dumps a lot sooner, similar to what the Philadelphia 76ers did. And, but we were, and we did, we couldn't do it for very long once Dennis Lindsay took over because we had players like Derek Favors, Gordon Hayward, Alec Burks, Trey, Trey Burke, Ennis Cantor who needed minutes, who needed to go, and 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 Gordon Hayward who was starting to be on the flip side of his development. So it was this bungled rebuilding job that Dennis Lindsay came in there, figured it like got as much as he could. He had to jettison Ennis Cantor, and who knows if Ennis Cantor turns into something better if he has better development but didn't really have the minutes. And his development was bungled. Alec Burke's development was way bungled. Gordon Hayward, he got minutes, thankfully. And, hey, no wonder. He kind of turned out to be the best out of the bunch. Derek Favors had minutes minutes garbled along the way. And it's kind of funny now to read things that people were saying, Utah rebuilt the right way. 
when in mm-hmm. actuality, I would say they rebuilt the hard way. They like, like they got, they did the, the thing they did right is they had all these lottery picks all grouped together. They did that part right. There should have been a couple more. And we should still be, uh, be enjoying the fruits of our labors of, of, of draft picks now from trading Paul Millsap and Big Al, but we never did. And, and at some point you just have to look at Kevin O'Connor and, and the, and people can say, well, they, you know, they were playing the veterans, so they earned their minutes. Really? Or was it just about a cash grab for playoff revenue? At the end of the day, was it just, was it just the Millers saying, we need that playoff revenue more than anything in a play, in a shortened season? Yeah. In a shortened season, they were going to go hell bent on getting that playoff revenue because they had already lost 30 game, 30 some odd games or 20. I can't remember how many were lost. And they, well, need, and that was, they that was why that revenue. That was why they had the lockout as well is because apparently the, you know, the income wasn't as good back then as it was, as it is now with, with the new TV deal. And so, so you know that that was part of their mindset. Yeah, it was part of their mindset. And, and it, it, it also was an old mindset too. It was it was this this old mindset that you know we we always compete. We're a playoff team. We always get those things done, and 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 that's disingenuous to the past Utah Jazz because at some point they had to take their lumps and get good players. That that was how they got you got Daryl Griffith. That's how they got Carl Malone, and they lucked out with you know John Stockton later on you know later on in the draft. Like they got good players by kind of being bad. That's that's just how the NBA worked, and they also got uniquely good players that they were able to stay great for a long period of time. That's such an anomaly, but it play it starts to play into your your the way your lens in which you see the world. That is like we always compete, but yeah, but you competed with a very unique combo of players that will never be in Utah again. Mm-hmm. So yes, you competed. So you got Hall of Famers at twelve and fourteen, and. That's not always. You don't always get that. It's just no, that's kind of no, rare. You don't. It's it's as rare as Rudy being a top ten player right now and being drafted at twenty seven. It just doesn't happen. So when you look at the Utah Jazz now, it's kind of funny to look at that now because if 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 it was Kevin, because the circumstances are different. We're not losing a coach. We still have our same coach. The Jazz aren't cash strapped. That's the other situation that's different this time than the Darren Williams. They're not like struggling in the luxury tax. Now, I think they'd like to be in a better cash situation, but they haven't gone out like with crazy deals for players, which is kind of interesting. And a lot of these new acquisitions they, they got, they're not on, they're, they're on one year guarantee and that opens them up to a lot more cash next year. And they're well. They're in an interesting situation too now because we have the new building renovations going on, and they're going to want to make some money to do that, and rightfully so, they need to. And the other difference that we have now is instead of an aging good player, we have a young star in Rudy Gobert, and it's just not really possible to tank at this point. You tank to get players like Rudy Gobert. Uh, the Jazz have to find a way. To get to get someone like to pair with Rudy, a star of some sort. That's why uh, you, we've heard the Jazz are talking to the Cavaliers, and they've mm-hmm. been talking for a while with yep. Windhorse. If you have a chance to get a star like that, you have to go get them. If there are rumors of things that we could have traded Millsap and Jefferson for, and you never know if those are true because Kevin O'Connor wouldn't have ever said anything to anybody. Uh, about those things but there's rumors that we could have gotten a pretty nice player for paul Millsap that we could have maybe developed alongside Derek favors and gordon hayward and they you were valuable know. they were valuable contracts paul Millsap, when he had two years remaining that was part of the reason the utah jazz were struggling to let go of him it was actually i mean it was an expensive contract at the time but it wasn't too bad uh wasn't too bad later on but al jefferson's contract was the albatross that was really hurting utah and so and that was part of the reason by the time Dennis Lindsay had full control of the team, he either had his two options were I can trade these players at the trade deadline and bring in the same amount of money back. And have longer term big have, money. Uh, yeah, have longer term big money. And so we're not able to pivot. The other option that I can do with this is I can I can find a suitor that is going to absorb them into their 
into their cap space, but we're probably going to pay them for it as a salary dump. And so he was put into an unwinnable situation. I still think, I, I, I still wonder if there were deals to be, to be made there. It felt like Dennis Lindsay's first year was a little bit of not wanting to rock the boat with the status quo, mm-hmm. uh, because that was also with the Trey Burke trade. Um, and he was working with other people's data. Um, and it, that's it, an, it, it, I, it, and, and that, and I think that also probably contributed to the Trey Burke that it, like, if you think of all the moves that Dennis Lindsay has made, his biggest mistake, his biggest mistake that you can look back on and be like, oof, that was, that, that hurt. Um, what probably was Trey Burke? Actually, no, it was Trey Burke. Now, before that, I think you could, could arguably say Ennis Cantor possibly, that trade that felt lopsided. But then Utah used that, that OKC first rounder to, to go and nab Ricky Rubio. So it doesn't look too bad now with with the whole thing completed. But with with Trey Burke, that was two valuable first they had two first rounders that they used and to get Trey Burke and he bought. But interesting point you make there is that he's going in and taking on Kevin O'Connor's intel. The thing that we kind of know from back then and now is how much intel was Kevin O'Connor really transferring to Dennis Lindsay? Because the first thing Dennis Lindsay does when he comes into the front office is he actually builds a modern-day front office. He brings in more scouts. He brings in more coaches. He brings in more analytics front office. And, and we didn't have an analytics team. <laughs> that, right. that didn't exist right. and, before Dennis And so Dennis there was Lindsay. a lot of eye tests. And the, and the thing is, Trey Burke... He passed sort of the eye test, and granted, oh, yeah. Utah Jazz never brought him in for a workout, and so he dropped. and And when a player drops, you have to ask yourself two questions: if you haven't worked him out, was there is there something that they know that we don't that is of serious concern, or are they just completely undervaluing the said player? And it looks like they knew something that we didn't. Because yeah, and they. Well, and you also have Benji Burke as Trey Burke's agent who didn't know what he was doing and overvalued his own son, which is fine. You're, that's But that's what happens it, when it, you're it, a dad. I think one of the most interesting things about that draft is the Detroit Pistons passed over him. And, and, and they he, were just down the road. They could scout him any day of the week. So imagine if the Utah Jazz had a chance at Damian Lillard. They've been able to scout him for four straight years. All they have to do is like send a guy up there on a quarter tank of gas up to Ogden just to, to, to see him play. And if the Utah Jazz passed on Damian Lillard, if they had the chance, people would probably be like, what? Is there, is there a reason that they, that they did that? So I, I think that's the, the, the name of the game with, uh, with, with Trey Burke is Trey Burke was just, uh, and and he probably had a really great tournament run that uh, probably caught caught lightning in a bottle at the right time at the right place at the right uh, on the right stage and he built it into you know a few few million dollars like good on you like you, you know you have to take your shot and, he, and 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 it worked out for him uh, well and he did he looked he looked like he looked like Chris Paul in that tournament um the thing that surprised me most about Trey Burke is that he just never became a good shooter. He looked like a good shooter in college. He made, he just, ah, he never became a good shooter. And I think one thing that the Jazz learned from that is that if you're going to draft a player that's not a proven shooter, they better at least be athletic and long and, and can do a lot more things than just hoping that they be, can become a great shooter. Because Trey Burke had, he was long, but he's also 5'11", and he's, or if that, and he's just not. Right. He, was, he, was, he was completely undersized. Uh, that was the same draft that Isaiah Thomas came in, right? I, I can't remember. I, I, but I, I, I think it was, it was, it was the. I just know that Isaiah Thomas was like number 60 pick. And I know Isaiah Thomas came in the same draft as Jimmer Fredette, which I, uh, Believe was a oh, different draft. Oh no, he draft, was actually. he was in the he was in the 2011 with the Ennis Cantor. Oh, okay, and and that was the one too where the Utah Jazz instead of getting instead of uh, they could have had um, Kemba Walker, 
Um, they could have, right. uh, yeah, and this was, a, a, and you look at the top end of this draft and you're like, wow, there's a lot of chances to make a mistake. Um, Derek Williams, Dennis Cantor, there's Tristan Thompson, Jonas Avanchunas, Jan Vesley, Bismack Bayumbo, Brandon Knight, Jimmer, but we passed over Clay. Um, oh, I wanted, we had, I we wanted had, Clay Thompson. We, we passed over Clay, um, and, and then right after Clay, we drafted Alec Burks. And then the Morris twins were picked right after one another. And then right after that, there was the, the trade between Indy and San Antonio. Where For San Antonio Kawhi. Went and, and got Kawhi Leonard. And then also Vucevic was in this trade, in this draft as well. So this was a, this was a draft where the real value was actually, um, basically nine through, nine through 19 because Tobias Harris, Amon Shumpert, um, he had, uh, Kenneth Freed was in this draft. So the, so, and, and Jimmy Butler, like, you know, Jimmy Butler was the 30th, 30th pick. Like this was, this was a draft where if you were in the, like, if you were in the front end, you were going, you were going all in on potential. And the best person that came out of this draft was, you know, you have Kawhi. And then at the very tail end, the last, the last, the last pick of the first round, the second round end up being Isaiah Thomas and Jimmy Butler. What a, it just an insane draft, and so the, it's really, the, and that's that's the hard thing with with the Utah Jazz, and it, albeit Dennis Lindsay is coming from the he he was part of that decision to trade George Hill for for uh for for Kawhi. He was at the he was in the front office in San Antonio, so he brought with him the way they were evaluating players, and so no wonder at the latter end of of um, the 2013 draft we were able uh, the Utah Jazz were able to select Rudy Gobert. And, um, and were able to get tremendous value where people were undervaluing them. Um, he was able to get tremendous value for Rodney Hood. Um, the, we forget, we, we, we don't talk about Rodney Hood because he had kind of a disappointing, um, season last year, but that's because his first two seasons were so above average. And so, and, and one thing we, we've talked about personally and with other SOC dunk riders is, you know, did Rodney Hood just go above, um, did he just reach his his peak just in two years? Uh, normally, players that drafted that position, uh, like if you get a if you get a borderline starter, you've done really good for yourself in the twenties. You oh, like, for sure. You've done a really great job drafting. So, I mean, he might have just hit where he's going to be in two years because he was he'd played in college for for a few years and he was he was more developed and so. Uh, and, and there is this kind of like NBA 2K mentality where you draft somebody and you just expect the, the growth to be exponential. They just get their points, more and more points. Yeah. They just get better every year because you just simulate every season. And it's not really how that works. And it, at, at some point, you know, some people get better. Some people don't. And, and, and not for lack of trying. It's not like they don't work hard or anything else. It's just, you know, there's going to be certain limitations on their game and just, Maybe a light just never comes on and it never, never clicks. Or maybe, you know, Rodney Hood with his, his, you have to wonder with Rodney Hood, who has a jumper that looks so fresh, but it's just not on. It's streaky. And it's, it's just a weird thing to watch. It's, it's a weird thing to watch somebody who has a jumper that looks like it's just, it was, it was designed by, by NBA 2K. It just looks clean. But just yet, looks it, like Michael Red 2.0. Yeah, and, and but yet it just doesn't doesn't go in. Versus like you have people who have terrible terrible jumpers, and 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 and, and they hit it every single time. So, mm-hmm. like for uh, so I, I don't know. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting scenario. So for what got bold for the Utah Jazz and rebuilding now, man, like you have to you have to think that. Like right now, there's still it is an interesting rebuild time right now because you, Rudy's not really in his prime. He's just start, he's about three years from it, and and you're looking at the rest of this team and they're pretty close together, clumped in age. You have the they're now a promising young team again. Like they had just barely shed their label of a promising young team after the playoffs, and it's like going back to they've really taken a step back and they're at the very beginning of where they were uh, of what people are thinking they're going to be at 
the beginning of last season. It's like, uh, you know, they could be a playoff team if such and such breaks right for them, if this works out. So uh, the rebuilding effort now, it, it kind of looks like the Utah Jazz are kind of biding their time with, with the, they didn't go out and make a bad decision and say, Hey, let's just go fill this with Rudy, Rudy Gay, which would probably would have been, um, what would have happened if the prior regime before Dennis Lindsay was still in power. They probably would have been like, well, we still, we got to go get another wing. Rudy Gay is the next best guy. Let's throw all of our money in. Let's just make a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Or they wouldn't say, let's make a bad deal, but in their head, it would be a good deal. It's the best possible deal. But instead they, the, uh, Dennis Lindsay and company, they looked at the market and said, well, is it really worth that much money? Like, is he worth Gordon Hayward money? No. So why are we paying him that? So what, who are the people who are worthy of our money? Let's, let's go. And they went defensive and then they put them on these variable contracts where they're, they're not guaranteed for the next year. And so next year, if they think like we can make a trade that's going to bring somebody in, we have the cap space to do that. We also have the cap space to absorb a contract. So if they want to pull another thing like Ricky Rubio, where they can trade a trade a first rounder and absorb salary, they can. They can totally they can they can totally do that. Um, likewise, when they when it comes to the trade deadline, people need to make deals. They look very 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 enticing to a lot. Of, there was a recent article about how there's so many teams that are cash trapped. So many teams, and it's all because of that, uh, the, the market going up. The TV money came in. They didn't smooth it out over the years. So they just had one giant, one giant jump, aka a bubble. And then the bubble burst. And now there's, now people aren't getting paid as much. And, and there's a lot of teams who went all in on really stupid decisions. Hi, Lakers. How you doing? Um, mm-hmm. with Mozgov or, or, um, the same moves that allowed really good contenders to get great players like the Golden State Warriors did allowed teams that were on the the border of the luxury tax to make really terrible decisions for their franchise. And what Utah can be with their with these deals now is they can say, "Hey, we can give you three really good players and they're uh, you know, they're they're you have the team option for next year, so they're not guaranteed, so you can decide whether you want to keep them or not." And, uh, you can provide yourself some cap relief. Meanwhile, Utah can bring on one of these players that has been paid an absorbent amount of money or too much money in there and save them from cap space. So they're playing this like, Hey, we know we don't have our full team out here, but we'll put the best team that we feel plays to our identity. And then the put, once that player comes available, maybe that said player's Kevin Love. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somebody else. I'm looking at Orlando who seemingly keeps on making head-scratching deals. They just can't not pivot. <laughs> yeah, I swear, I swear, like, this is our third week saying, like, Orlando, what are you doing? But Orlando just made another deal where it was like, Orlando, seriously, what are you doing? Um, well, and I, I think that, um, and it may be possible that the Jazz know something that we don't because the Jazz are incredibly quiet right now. Uh, we haven't really heard any news coming out of jazz camp for a week or so now, even though we have heard rumors here and there that the jazz have been in talks with the Cavs, And some of that came from, um, Windhorse. Yeah. From Windhorse and things like that. I wonder if the jazz, because they've talked to Cleveland so much may know something about the LeBron situation that they don't want to let other teams know. One of the most interesting things is we may get Kevin love, but it may not be before this season, but it may be after next season because who knows? I mean, for example, if, if, if LeBron James decides to leave Cleveland, all of a sudden it's a fire sale. And at that point, it might be easier to go get Kevin Love than right now. Maybe a sign and trade with favors, knowing that they like Derek favors, you sign and trade them favors and you give them a pick so they can rebuild. I, th- I think. Dennis Lindsay is waiting for that moment. I think we right. had a we had a moment there where we almost got Kyrie with George Hill. The sign and trade fell through. You know, dang it, we were close. Um, I think that more moments like that are going to come. It's obviously we're kind of just in a quiet period right now too. Yeah, the month of a month of a month of August is like this is is the slowest in NBA months. Like it 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 just is. There's not a lot of news going on, and and Kyrie says he wants out. With the way the NBA season is, his his front office is incentivized to wait until training camp. 
at the mm-hmm. very least. And we talked about it last time, um, last week, where if, if you, if Utah were to end up with Kyrie, it would have meant it would have happened in the next few weeks. Because mm-hmm. once it gets to training camp, then the price is going to go up. Teams are going to start looking at, like, right now, everyone is looking at their season like, hey, we got a chance. These guys are great. Then once they get into training camp and they're like, oh God, we're terrible. Um, we got to, we, we got to make, we, we, we got to make some, some serious decisions and, 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 and fix some things. And, well, and, and if you're, and, if you're and, Cleveland right now, you have to wait till training camp. You have to go through this summer and say, you know what? We've got a whole month of August. Let's just let this try to cool down and see if we can get Kyrie and LeBron into a room and hug this out. Maybe I actually don't think that's possible. I, the things that Kyrie's has said, posting his Snapchat video the other day, I'm coming home is a little bit of a mockery of LeBron. Right. And, and people said too, people keep on comparing this to like, well, Kobe wanted out too. Yeah. Kobe wanted out. And then they regutted the entire roster and they got Pau Gasol for at the time. It, it really seemed like an unfair deal. I remember like Marcus Gasol went over to Memphis, but nobody in their right mind thought Marcus Gasol was going to be what Marcus Gasol is. Nobody. And yeah. so, so when that, when that went over, it was just like, they got robbed. The, the literally the Lakers, it, it felt like a rig, you know, a rig situation. So, so I mean, it took a really special trade to, uh, to, you know, to get Kobe to be like, yeah, I, cool. I can stay that. I mean, and, and, here's and, my... and they were still in LA. That's the thing. They were still in LA. Like there ain't no beach in Cleveland. Like it's 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 not like you can be like, hey, just wait. Um, we're not going to do anything. There's still the appeal, no beach here. The uh, appeal to Cleveland is LeBron, and the the Cavs are in a bad situation right now because they don't have LeBron locked up. All the rumors in the world are that he's going to L.A. Kyrie Irving may have just he may have just ruined their possibilities of any, getting anything good because he decides to let all this news out. After all the stars move around in free agency, right. so he waits till Paul George leaves. He waits till and you know knows, Jimmy Butler. Knows? He might have waited before. Like it didn't sound like they had like tr- uh, like have a chance for exit interviews because of the way for of Griffin uh, going out. Yeah, smart move there. And, and so, uh, and so it, it it just sounds like they like all of this stuff is like. Part of the job of a GM is just keeping the players happy, and they're and right now they they went a long time in a power vacuum, and guess who took charge? The players, players, players filled that vacuum, and 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 they felt like without a you know a real GM in charge who was really you know keeping things together. Like they felt like, well, now I can really voice my concerns. I can, I can tell them what I really think. Or maybe they, maybe they were closer to the assistant GM and now they're politicking him naturally, you know, like everybody does. Like if you're, if, if the boss who kept you guys together, but I mean, he was a good boss, but it wasn't like you, you, you loved him and then he's out and you really were really good friends with the assistant. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, dude, you know what? Now we can make things the way we want it to and da da da. And this is what I've always been thinking. Like you're gonna, and it kind of just seems like that's happening out in Cleveland, and unfortunately, and the, and it's, the, it's, it's 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 a total crap show. It's it's just it's 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 just a complete and you know utter like I <laughs> somebody put out a poll the other day on on Twitter like who would you rather have as your as as your owner and it was like the the chief worst worst owners out there but and it was like vivic uh, uh ren dive and yeah yeah from, dan gilbert yeah vivic out in sacramento was like rated the number one one they're like yeah i could i, I mean he's he's crazy but he's not like bad crazy like yeah like you at least feel like he really cares about the team it's not like you're just <laughs> kind of like like how crazy is it that we don't even mention the sun's owner anymore who is just renowned for being awful and he's now like not even in the conversation of worst owner in the NBA. <laughs> no, no, he's not. I, I mean, it, 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 it's crazy too. Like, what, what I didn't understand is when Cle- when LeBron went back to Cleveland, and people were like, you know what, they've really buried the hatchet. It's like, why? Like Dan Gilbert got all this credit for just being the poor poor sucker who like he just showed back up on his doorstep. Like that, 
you know, you're not a good owner. Like the dude felt the, the dude felt guilt for leaving the city, and he had a yeah. conscience. You know, and 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 they got like, yeah, it's it, it it's just it, it's it it's 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 whatever. So <laughs> let, such bad shape. So I, I think since we we spent a lot of time on the rebuild and all of that and what the Jazz could do, I say we end uh, end on something. Let's end on something fun. Okay. Let's talk about Rudy. And, and Neto's summer and, of and fun. It's a summer of fun. This is <laughs> this is absolutely great. It's adorable too. It's this is this is the bromance of the year. This is. I mean, this is fantastic. They so they go to France to go to so basically they both just wanted to do their own camps I guess so they go to France together they do a camp I don't know if it's for if they just want to do a basketball camp that kids can go to I don't and, know if it goes it should, it I don't know the details this isn't this isn't just this summer they they hang out almost every summer since because they were drafted in the same draft um, and they they actually played in summer league together and. Um, and, and Neto actually in that year he 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 shined out against Trey Burke and then he didn't and then I think it was like Trey Burke's dad of an agent was just like he can't kick, get to camp because he probably would have beat his son and I know. <laughs> pretty bad and because um, Howell looked good in summer league and then um, but but they still hung out they hung out all that summer and then they hung out the next summer so I mean they've they're they're really. But this year, now that Gobert's got like star status, like now the bromance is out. Everybody yeah, knows about the bromance. They're they are out and about. They are taking selfies. They are going to national monuments, taking pictures together in front of the Eiffel Tower, and now the Christus st- uh, statue in Rio de Janeiro. And it's yes, it's it, just fun. The, the rudest Christus. Is that what it's called, the Rudus Christus? I know it's the the statue from Romeo and Juliet and the famous statue in Brazil. It, and well, it's normally called the El Redentor, but I think it's El Rudentor. Oh, now it's the El Rudentor. <laughs> Rudy, <laughs> Rudy is like next level. He is like so. Him posting that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go to Rudy's Instagram story. You better go see it soon. But where he posts. Uh, who has the better wingspan, me or Jesus? <laughs> and he's literally in Lennon glasses saying he's bigger than Jesus. <laughs> Rudy is like... <laughs> Rudy literally on Instagram said he was bigger than Jesus. That's really what I know. he says. He's like, who has a bigger wingspan, me or Jesus? Who's bigger, me or Jesus? I, I, just, I just think that, thank goodness we live in a day and age with social media... Because back in the day, you didn't get these things and you just had to wait. But these days, every day is something new from Rudy posting something. I mean, this summer is, I mean, Gordon Hayward leaving sucked hard. It was lame and it hurt and it was a slap in the face, despite what local radio voice may say. But being able to listen to to watch Rudy Gobert and have him post a video waving goodbyes to these hoes ain't loyal and then posting pictures next to the El Redentor with uh Howell Neto. And then on top of that, being able to see uh um Rodney Hood comment uh vacation and Oh vacation I'm... and then <laughs> was it Parsons? And Did Parsons Chandler or... Parsons said uh what is it, couple goals or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And 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 uh Couple's Trevor goals. Booker Trevor Book putting ah uh, lovers. It's it's <laughs> it's it's been a very fun summer, and I I am just very grateful to Rudy Gobert for making um making things a little more fun when what could have which what could have been a very depressing crummy summer losing our one of our star players. So Rudy Gobert, but we salute you. We salute you, Rudy Gobert, best center in the NBA. Well, that's all I got this week, Milo. That's, um, that's, I, I think it was a, it was a good podcast. I'll give it 13 out of 10 stars. It was, it was uh therapeutic for me. I hope that it was for you guys too. let us know what you think. Uh, go to iTunes, give us a review. We're reading your, your reviews and very grateful for them. Um, so yeah. And also go to the, I'll post this in slcdunk.com. So please, uh, read that article. Uh, let us know what you think there. We got a lot of fun commenters that you can, uh, talk about 
these different things with. So yeah, so I, definitely check us out on the site. Check us out on the Twitter at SLC Dunk. Check us out on the Instagram at you guessed it SLC Dunk, and check us out on Facebook at you're never gonna believe it SLC Dunk. So check us out all on there. Hit us up on on the good old SoundCloud. Hit us up on iTunes and leave a review. Love us. Reshare it. Tell your friends. You're awesome. You're awesome because we believe you're awesome. It's Not- true. And we, we wouldn't trade you for a, a higher draft pick at all. We wouldn't. Just because your friends don't like you doesn't mean we don't like you. <laughs> well, I will talk to you next time, Milo. Peace out.